welcome to Being Brown. Uh, and um, I'm thankful for everybody who's listened um, to the podcast. Um, and today we are blessed. And uh, I am very thankful and grateful for Dr. Tina Mystery to join us once again on the podcast. How are you, Dr. Tina? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to be back again, I think. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this was an interesting one because uh, almost I think it's fair to say that you kind of, uh, you were keen to do another episode. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think... um, it was mostly because of the 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 feedback I got from the last podcast that we did together, mm. and I guess the last podcast was mainly around you know a bit about me and my interests mm. and and how the brown psychologist came about. Mm. So I I kind of thought to myself, well, let's put something out there um, that is going to hopefully inspire people to think um about their mental health Mm. so um yeah and and that's my mission ultimately Mm -hmm. it's about trying to get brown people to think about their emotional well-being i agree and i think it's something that um at least over the last few years i've kind of i wouldn't say struggled with but it's it's been a challenge trying to kind of have a conversation around mental health with my parents um and just i guess people in general because it's such i mean we spoke about this at length in the previous episode but there's such a stigma attached to not just the concept of mental health but that that term itself mental health it's especially within our community mm. um and um yeah and I'm, I'm glad you kind of wanted to do this other episode because i know you you want to talk about something specifically today you kind of talking about south uh, south asian men's mental yeah. health yeah i did a little instagram question in in my stories and um there was an interest for south asian men's mental health um because i think that women are very good at vocalizing and expressing mm. and talking about mental health mm-hmm. Whereas South Asian men, mm. unfortunately, um, I think they struggle. Yeah. And I thought that this would be a perfect opportunity to just start to raise and um, think about what what's going on here. Yeah. Okay, so why brown people specifically? Yeah. I, I think that we have double binds. Mm. So firstly, being male. Yeah. Okay, we know that males, males, men's mental health is um, a very hot topic. Mm. So since um, kind of, I think in the past few years, so it was, you know, we we've started to address celebrities, you know, men, male celebrities mm. who have started to talk about. Um, anxiety and depression. I think only just recently, yeah. uh, a snooker player yeah. disclosed his uh, mental health issues. Mm. Um, you know, various football players mm-hmm. have, have spoken about it. You know, even even the royal family. Mm. You know, they've expressed what what that's like. So, it's it's really about this dialogue of okay, being a man mm. and having a mental health issue, it's tricky, it's mm. difficult, but we're now starting to address it. Mm. And all the ideas around masculinity and power and strength and and all of that, Mm. we're starting to deconstruct what that means. Because I think um, traditionally we've held on to these 
traditional ideas of masculinity. Yeah. So on top of that, let's add to the fact that um, people of color, mm. and I'm saying this, you know, all different races, yeah, black enough. and ethnic minorities, have an additional layer of, um, I guess it's a barrier mm. to um, identify and access support for mental health because of, of their race. Yeah. Um, and we know this. Mm. Because of, number one, having worked in statutory mental health services yeah. myself, um, there is such an underrepresentation mm. of black and ethnic minorities yeah, yeah. accessing those services. Yeah. So we need to ask, you know, and, th and we have been asking ourselves this for a long time. Why is this? Mm. So many research papers have been produced, white papers, mm. like The Time to Change Uh, paper that came out in 2010 mm. which addresses that you know in the UK 14% of the population is ethnic minority black yep. ethnic minority however that does not you know those figures don't even mm. equate to the number that are accessing nope. mental health services so there's something clearly going mm -hmm. wrong here For sure, yeah. so we put both of those two factors into the pot being a man mm -hmm. and again men are underrepresented mm. in you know seeing mental health services mm. Un i think they are overrepresented in the kind everything of everything else well <laughs> more more so in the <clears throat> severe kind of uh, end of the spectrum so you will see more men um accessing services for tertiary mm. and secondary mental health so when it gets really bad right. that's when we start to see the men okay and even people of color we will see slightly more overrepresentation. So what is just I guess for the listeners and for myself as well what tertiary what's that kind of Okay, sorry, yeah, here's there. me going into my jargon. Sorry. So um we have different layers of mental health yep. um services within the UK and the NHS. So we've got the primary care, so mm -hmm. this is our GPs, our first port of call. Right, okay. Then we've got our secondary care, which is where we would get normally get a referral from the GP okay. to access. You wouldn't be able to get an, an access um sure. to that service, you know, not a self-referral. And tertiary services are often what we would call inpatient services. Okay. So where you would need quite secure support, that sort of Fine. stuff. Okay. So what we're seeing is that people are, are you know, being seen by services when they are so much further down the line. Sure. Which, again... When they're desperate, raises, basically. Yeah, yeah when yeah. things are going really, really wrong. Mm. Or things are, are, you know, they're really unwell. Mm. So this isn't great. This mm -hmm. is not good news for us because mm. clearly we're not helping them when, you know, the initial signs or symptoms are, are kind of popping up. Mm. Um, and we're clearly not doing the work with regards to prevention or, yeah. you know, the, the kind of day-to-day -day stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of, it's a two double-edged sword, yeah. as we'd call it. And so I guess this is where, I guess this conversation comes in. Like, what do you think, how do we start, how do we not even stop that, I guess, because it's stopping it is, is a kind of a long ways away. But how do we start preventing stuff like that from happening? How do we encourage more men to, 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 to seek help? Like, how do we, is there a, do we have any research? Is there any research that says, well, this is what we need to do to encourage men to do it? What, what? In your experience, what is it that men, I guess, need to talk about, and what to what 
what point do they get to when they realize that they need help and is there a way we can reduce that gap i guess it's tricky because i don't think it's um a simple answer mm. i think that when we're when we're thinking about men mm. what we need to start to ask ourselves is that le let's talk about talking therapies mm. yeah that's kind of what i'm sure, about yeah. what is it that stops men from even contemplating the idea that sitting and talking mm. is going to help them mm. now i'm a female i'm a woman so for me talking and doing the emotional expression and all of that comes quite naturally mm. however i think for men i i guess what i wonder is that maybe that's not so natural for them mm. maybe there's something around sitting and talking mm. that isn't a thing that they feel they can mm. do mm. i mean i'd be curious to hear from your point of like what's it like what i mean you know the idea mm. of sitting and talking see this is the thing it's this is the weirdest thing and i've all i don't know it's what we're doing right now is sitting mm. and talking I, i fully enjoy this i can do this all day right mm. um and i guess i've always kind of been in touch with my emotional side i guess you could mm. say mm. um you know kind of growing up crying is a sign of weakness you know that's the, that is always kind of what i've known from mom and dad like you know even now mom will talk about things like you know i don't cry in front of people because i don't want them to know like i'm upset or whatever so men don't cry yeah men don't cry men aren't supposed mm. to cry like yeah, that's so not that's, a thing that's that's i think that's one of the biggest barriers mm. is mm. this idea of emotional expression mm. that men don't do that that's a sign it, of weakness <clears throat> this and this is the strangest thing like it's only in the last um i don't want to like, probably maybe in the last year or so where i've i've started to cry more you know it could be a, you know silly things like a, a tv show or something right mm -hmm. but generally before i guess the feeling of wanting to cry kind of evoked a sense of guilt in a way right it's mm. almost like a in my head it was like you're not supposed to do that it was kind of almost akin to like talking to your parents about sex like right it's, it just feels felt weird doing it right and i just i remember kind of wanting to and the feeling of wanting to cry but i couldn't i never really did it i kind of just kept it in And you, I'm sure you've like felt up that feel. You've had you've had that feeling of like being choked up, but not making yourself cry because you know you want to be quote unquote strong or whatever. But it's only in the last year or so where I've actually thought, you know what, screw this. Like, if I need to cry, I'm gonna cry. Like prime mm -hmm. example, uh, when I left work last week, it's the first time I think I've cried like that in public, like as much as I did. Um, but it felt okay, and it felt so good to yeah cry um but I, i just don't understand why it's such a it is such a bad thing to do it because if it if it's meant to alleviate some pain right it's almost like you're expelling that exactly. that pain right that's exactly. what that crying is these yeah. tears are it sounds really hokey but like it's you're you're getting i'm not I'm, you know i'm not a spiritual stuff but it's getting rid of that negative Energy. yeah 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 it's like just imagine somebody tickling you yeah. and you holding yourself yeah. trying not to laugh yeah Imagine that, mm. that you have got all that pent up energy, mm -hmm. you're holding it in. Yeah. That's painful. Yeah. And then once you laugh, mm. 
you are expelling that energy yep. and this is what um i often say to clients within sessions especially my um you know male clients is that actually it's not it's it, you know crying is just a form of expression yes expression. oh yeah yeah for sure and similarly i have these kind of struggles with women mm. and anger mm. that women are not supposed to feel anger mm. so it's really interesting to to see and hear both sides mm. of the story of actually our culture or our mm. society tells us we should not be doing whatever whatever, yeah. whatever xyz yeah. so yeah i i totally can mm. relate to what you're saying mm. that there is something around this stiff upper lip yeah. that we need to um preserve <clears throat> yeah no definitely um and i think as well is it's not just kind of being a, you know being a man and crying but it's also being an indian man and crying right like that in itself is like you you kind of grow up i'm sure very much like you, you kind of grow up around these these older men who kind of just who are just like kind of really stern all the time right they don't they don't the concept of crying isn't a thing to them like uh, for me i guess i've been lucky because my dad's kind of always been quite an emotive person mm. right but i've rarely ever seen him cry i see him laugh and joke more than i see him cry which is i mean you know, again now kind of these last few weeks these last few months i've i've started to see him cry which is so difficult to see because I've never seen him cry the way he cries now. So, uh, you know, it's the, I guess the question is, has he never done it because he feels like it's a sign of weakness? Um, I, in saying that, I remember him very early on in my marriage. I remember when I was going through this kind of, uh, the, this mental health uh, kind of counselling kind of period thing. And um, I remember my dad, it was really, really weird. And uh, I remember kind of feeling a little bit, upset with him <clears throat> um and he said to me um like you shouldn't you shouldn't like feel like which you shouldn't say anything like like how you feel in front of him and stuff because then she'll think you're weak or then she might you know might lose a bit of respect for you I was like it's like that's wow. not... and then for me to hear my dad say that someone who was brought up in this country mm. who is for all intents and purposes, an Englishman, right? Yeah. Um, it was so weird for me to hear that because he's always been supportive of every single thing I've ever done, right? Mm. He's never been like, oh, why are you doing this? Or why are you doing that? He's always been like, look, if it makes you happy and it works for you, then just do it. Yeah. And to hear him say like, oh, you shouldn't basically be emotional in front of your wife. It was just like, that's, that's such a foreign concept to me. Like, why, why why, am I married to her if I'm not able to be myself with her? Why would I hide this from her? You know what I mean? And that that to me was like, yes, no. Sorry, I, you know, I love you. I will always take on everything you say, but that is, I'm going to completely ignore you said that. Yeah. And that was just the strangest thing to hear him say. I, yeah, it's, I, I think that we all are, we all have the, the potential to fall into mm those ways mm. of being because they are so ingrained mm, in us yeah, yeah? yeah sure. so you think you know i'm just thinking about um our grandfathers and our great grandfathers and one of the subjects i'm really interested in is intergenerational trauma mm. 
So thinking about brown history, mm. you know, South Asian history about migration and, you know, what um, <coughs> these men and women, but I'm specifically interested in men today, what they have had to go through mm. in order for us to live mm. this life, mm. right? Um, I think that is there is there something around that they had no choice mm. but to yeah oh yeah 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 bear mm. the pain bear the racism mm. bear the discrimination mm. bear the abuse mm. you know bear the isolation yeah. um and the loss mm. for for whatever they yeah, were yeah, looking yeah. for at that time you know so we've just got another medium, yeah. you know, that the English language has developed so that these concepts like anxiety mm. and depression and trauma, yeah. we can give them a name and mm. we can now start to create a bridge mm. between these two ideas yeah. or two philosophies. Mm. So I think it's always been there. But the problem is, is that it probably wasn't understood to the depth definitely that it is now and i think that's one of the biggest things is you know we talked about kind of the accessibility of these services right like we mm. talk about um it's there these services exist but it's getting people to understand the merit of but behind accessing these services right like some of these services are free um some of them are private like some of them are available through workplaces but it's mm. it's having that understanding that if you go to these these things and kind of put yourself forth and put yourself out there I mean, you said this in your in the in the, in the previous episode mm. is doing this the act the simple act of putting yourself forward for these services is a massive act of courage oh gosh yeah um but it's such a difficult thing to put yourself out there and as a man where you've you know already already got this kind of tremendous ego above your head where yeah. You refuse to ask for help. I mean, God's sake, but some men don't even ask for help when it comes to building things yeah. like a table, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. why would they ask for or directions or directions? <laughs> like, exactly. Why, why would why would we ask for help when it comes to ourselves? Right. Like, that's the one thing that we're able to, quote unquote, control. control yeah. That's but it. why, you know, in actuality, it, unfortunately, we don't we, we don't aren't we always aren't in control of it. And we need that kind of nudge to say you are in control but you just need to know how to control it. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that's the one thing that I didn't quite understand, but now I do, having gone through what I've gone through. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting you talk about um, kind of control and power, because mm. I think they go hand in hand. Um, I was reading a paper, and I'm just trying to find the name of it. Yeah. It's not coming to me. Um, it was a, a recent-ish paper that that did, basically took a sample of, um, I think it was about 20 um, BME um, participants, mm -hmm. and they ran, ran a kind of focus group. And one of the things that they spoke about particularly was around, you know, black ethnic minority mm -hmm. men and how... You know, they talked about how, firstly, they didn't know how to identify mm. what, you know, mental health yeah. issues were. So there was that lack of awareness. Lack mm. of then there was this idea of um, being unable to 
um, feel okay to mm. kind of acknowledge that yeah. okay I'm, I think I'm struggling here <clears throat> there's something not quite right and thirdly they spoke about how actually I'm a man mm. I should be able to figure this out yeah, 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 it's absolutely. my job to figure out because I am the man yeah. so this idea about being a, uh, being powerful mm. or being in control so I think that what you're talking about is is definitely something that we're aware of with regards to masculine mm. identity mm. yeah and it's weird like we talk about kind of um, kind of expressing ourselves and personally for me I, I always when mum and I guess other Indian women always talk about kind of men being men and what a man should be mm. in my head I'm like you have no idea what a man should be like yeah. I, I don't even know what a man should be Yeah, there is no definition of what a man should be the definition that we understand is because of the stuff that's been portrayed in films and movies and society and but everything also, else but also you're right and I think that also like you have just said mm. is that women they add to it don't mm. they mm. they, they mm. Uh, what's the word they validate those mm. Uh, concept yeah, yeah, of yeah. what being a man mm. is mm. and it's the same thing for women like you know for in our culture i know it's i know it's the same as for for a lot of cultures but the women's job is very much to be in the kitchen and to kind of tend to her husband in you know, her hand and foot and to be the the household slave essentially right like <laughs> yeah. that is the homemaker if i mean you want to call it that. <laughs> i've been watching a lot of handmaid's tale have you seen any of this i haven't no it's it's centered around this the whole um concept of women being their sole purpose being child bearers and yeah it's it's such a powerful show but it's so distressing mm. like for a man to watch the things that happen on this show fictional show mm. is horrible mm. like it's horrible like we're talking about you know there's there's acts of rape in most episodes mm. and um it the, the 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 severe and absolute oppression that these women go through in the show it isn't surprising because we've heard stories like this around the world. This, yeah. this stuff happens every day, right? Like Yes, and to this day, yeah. Um, but it's the same thing. Like, you know, uh, again, we're moving towards women, but yeah, it, it is the, the stereotype that we are expected to be these strong, powerful guys yeah. who look after everything. When in actuality, it's you guys who look after us. Yeah. But is that right as well? Do you know what I mean? Like, what, what, this is the thing that like we are... We're we're at an impasse because I think some men are like, well, no, why I don't want lady to look after me? Well, she, I'm I'm okay. I can look after myself, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's such, it's a it's a conflict in our minds. You know, it's it's a you want to be the quote unquote man that you're supposed to be, mm-hmm. but when a, your your partner comes up to you and says it's okay, it's fine, don't worry about it, you're almost like, no, don't touch me. You know, it's mm-hmm. you kind of revert to that um that being that you're you're told you should be is that no i don't need you i need your help like it's it's so and i've i've over time i've kind of i've i've never was never really that bad but it i'm so open to having emotional discussions with hina because my partner <clears throat> because it's it's so important to do that yeah and to understand each other on such an emotional level because if they don't understand you from that perspective then who is going to it's made me think that Obviously, you have the gift or the ability or the skills um, to be emotionally self-aware, which is great. I think that's a wonderful thing to have. Mm. But I also wonder for, you know, the the men, the South South Asian men Mm. out there, 
that may not have this um, this awareness. Mm. And w again, when I was looking at the literature, there was again this this kind of barrier into accessing therapy for the, those very reasons mm. is that actually not being able to identify and understand what it is that they were experiencing. Mm. So it, it, I guess what, you know, what, what we need to help people or men in particular, mm. I think is this idea of emotional literacy. And, and, you know, I've, I've spent many a time in sessions talking to a majority of my male mm. clients around, you know, what is joy? What is mm. sadness? What is anxiety? And just providing this um, gentle discussion around what these uh, emotions and feelings mm. are about. And one of the things that was interesting in a lot of the papers that I read was how the South Asian community in particular um, identify distress through physical symptoms interesting okay so i think i touched on this in the last um episode around you know that often south asian um individuals would talk about physical pain mm. in their head mm. or a tightening of the chest mm -hmm. or you know kind of legs feeling weak that mm. sort of thing so it's really about trying to help these communities kind of ex explain the link between the okay. mind and the body. Yeah. So I think that's something that, you know, is, is it might even help mm. people who don't understand or don't have the words to yeah. describe what, you know, feeling distressed mm. means. It could be that they are experiencing tightness in their chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Mm. Um and again, this is something that unfortunately GPs fail to pick up, mm. you know, that with this particular community, it, it, it could be that, that that's what they're talking about. Mm. My distress is in my body. Mm. It's not in my mind, it's mm. in my body. But actually we need to be helping them to start to unpick and understand that it's linked. Well, it's funny you say that as well, because I remember when I first kind of went to the GP to kind of seek help i guess you could say mm -hmm. um i remember kind of describing that the sinking feeling in kind of my abdomen area right i couldn't quite describe it fully but mm. it was just like a it was a sinking feeling yeah but there's no medical term for that there's no they can't do an x-ray and they can't show me that so all i had was the description of how i felt and they just looked at me like what do you want to do about this like what really yeah like they just they didn't wow. they didn't quite understand what i was saying to them i was like it's just like right here and then they were like i don't they can't, they can't use a stethoscope for that, you know, like, well, I can't hear yeah. that, right? Yeah. So I think their their immediate reaction is to just refer you to the easiest thing. And at the time, it was a group therapy thing. Um, well, that's interesting because that's not normally what, you know, the routine mm. kind of care is, is mm. that often what a lot of South Asian um, people would be left with is either nothing mm. or a course of anti antibiotics antidepressants yeah um so and often what you know again the literature talks about is how people don't really want that mm. you know south asian people they're looking for alternatives mm -hmm. you know 
I think that because they use the body as a vessel mm. to understand themselves, it might be that we need to rethink mm. how do we use the body to yeah. heal. Yeah. But again, that's really fascinating to hear mm. that, you know, you struggled with that yeah, concept. Yeah, but yeah. It, it was great that, you know, your GP was able to understand that maybe this is something um, to do with mm. the way that you're feeling, mm. you know, your emotions and kind of the distress that mm. you're holding in your body. Yeah. So what, I think what was interesting as well about this group therapy is once I kind of, it was a five week course of kind of going to, uh, it was an after hour service type thing. So it would start at like. 7 p.m. till 8 p.m. or something mm. um, and it ran for five weeks and um, I remember multiple feelings kind of when I went to this thing I I, I did come out of it thinking it didn't help me much uh, for one and the, the other thing was the, the feeling that I got a lot was that I, I didn't felt I deserved to be there because some of the things that the people were talking about who were there were really quite serious like some people were oh, wow uh, suicidal some people were on full-on depression um, people wouldn't leave the house so to see them at things like this was well, like what why am i here mm. oh i had what i you know mine was like kind of anxiety and you know i didn't know how to deal with that and so I, all i wanted was to talk to someone mm. but they saw fit to put me in this group thing what um, was it that this group um talked about I'm, i mean i'm curious to know what it was like as a man and as a south asian man to be in a group setting it was really strange um uh, awkward at times naturally as as you would imagine stuff like this um it it just didn't it the stuff we talked about didn't seem quite productive it, it was most of it was mindfulness essentially and it was kind of the how to intertwine the practice of mindfulness within your lives mm. to try and overcome these feelings um and off would kind of often do like sessions would just kind of do full-on mindfulness sessions would lie on the floor and just kind of be mindful and then we'd talk about it we'd talk about how we felt doing that um and then we kind of talk about the concept of it and when we should you know when we think we should do mindfulness and stuff like that mm. it didn't it didn't quite seem quite productive to me um i i could appreciate the idea behind it yeah but kind of being surrounded by other people who were just who weren't Indian, I guess it was they're all white people. So were you the only brown uh, yeah, person? Yeah, I was the only brown person. Wow. Um, what was that like? See, this is interesting because back then I didn't take much notice of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, which I think is probably a good thing because if I noticed it back then, I probably, the anxiety levels probably would have been higher. Yeah. Um, so that, I guess that was a blessing in disguise, but it was, it was strange. Like, I, I mean, if I can remember, if I feel about it the way I do now, mm. uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't think I would have been able to handle that because I look around, it's like, why isn't anybody, why am I the only one doing this kind of yeah. thing? Where's my team at, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just, it's just a strange, strange experience. And I think, um, I remember my parents kind of, telling my parents about this okay and uh and this is the first thing i remember they i think i think we briefly mentioned this in the previous episode was when i told them i was doing therapy um they were like but why there's nothing wrong with you yeah. <laughs> and i was like what do you mean like this uh, I, I don't know what to tell you like i, I don't want to say anything wrong with me but 
I definitely feel the way I'm feeling. Yeah. And it needs sorting out. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because I wonder whether we have this idea well yeah what is what is mental health like mm. what is it that people in their head mm. think mental health is and i hope that we talk about how it is on a spectrum mm. that yes there are people who are mm. really unwell mm. and their and their kind of issues and symptoms and you know what they're going through that there's some complex stuff mm. there yeah and mm. and i get that but also there are people on the other end of the spectrum who mm. are fighting their own internal conflicts yeah. within themselves and that is mental health too <coughs> sorry there you go. that is mental health too um i remember seeing something on instagram yeah. that said we all have mental health yes mm. I'm I, I guess you know just to be curious what what we what was your your kind of how were your parents mm. reaction what, what kind of what did that feel like mm. you know it was weird I mean the I remember kind of uh after that initial conversation mum showed a real concern you know for my mental health which is really nice. Like, you know, before that, it wasn't, it wasn't even spoken about. It wasn't even a thing in the household, right? Like, we didn't even talk about kind of being, the the, the topic of depression or anxiety wasn't even a thing in our house. Mm. Um, and it's not because no one ever didn't want to talk about it. It's just that we didn't, we weren't educated in it, right? Like, we no one even, I didn't even know it was a thing until it started becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of, after that initial course of, you know, group therapy sessions, it kind of subsided a little bit. I mean, it still had the the anxiety and stuff like that. And I tried to deal with it in in kind of smaller ways, probably not as best as I as I could have. And kind of fast forwarding to what almost, uh, what was it, last year? Maybe the year before, might have been last year, mm. when I took up like one-to-one counselling sessions. What what allowed you to, to do that? What kind of gave you that so, drive? Um, I was at my previous job, mm. uh, and they had a service within the workplace where, um, they would have an initial call with you and they kind of, kind of assess where you are with your anxiety and, uh, kind of whatever. Yeah. And then they'd, um, then assess, they would kind of assign you, uh, a, I guess, I guess a caseworker or a therapist, I suppose. Yeah. And then they'd, um kind of give you the first few dates and you you literally attended these these therapy sessions these counseling sessions um and again i remember telling my parents about mm, this mm. and they were like well i thought it was i thought you'd, you were okay i was like fixed yeah i was like mom no i've been like i was i don't want to call it suffering i don't want to call it suffering but i've been like i've had these feelings for however many years i've had them like I've, this has been there for ages you're like we why do you just pray i said Mama, praying doesn't do anything for me That's like yeah. for me i've always been taught right for my parents you should do things with your heart right like if you don't feel the stuff then don't do it right yeah i've, I've never felt anything with praying mm. i'll pray to pray to the gods and i i don't feel anything mm. so why would i do that why would i continue to pursue that 
if I'm not getting anything from it, yeah, right? Yeah, agreed. Um, and I, I, from there, yeah, you know, there from obviously, that's when the whole kind of religion conversation started around, is there a God or is there a religion? Like, what is religion? Is it a man-made thing? Is it, Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. when that entire conversation in my head started. Um, and mom said, you know, you can just pray. And, and I was like, no, that's not going to, that's not going to change what, anything. What, what do you think, um, our elders mean by praying away the, the pain? It goes back to, I, I believe it goes back to their, kind of their experiences, doesn't it? It goes back to how they used to feel back when, back in the day when this kind of stuff wasn't around. If they ever felt sad or if they ever felt like everything was lost they would pray they had faith right that was their thing and mum says that's what you have to have you have to have faith you have to have faith that things will change and things will get better but i can't just sit here put my hands together and talk to a statue and 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 kind of hope things are going to get better because that's not going to work but if you know there's no disrespect to people who find faith in that because they you know my parents that brings them immense joy and pleasure in praying to the God, right? Like they, there's something I, I wonder whether there's something um, that's playing out here in that there is. So we talk, we talk about locus of control, mm. and I wonder whether those people that find praying and prayer and connection to God, a they find it helpful because they have this external mm. locus of control that mm. actually. This is not in my hands. Mm. This is in God's hands. Mm. It's God's will, um, you know, and that what will happen mm. will happen. Mm. And maybe, you know, and this is, again, something that I think that we need to talk about is how there's this idea that there are external forces mm. to play here. So, um I've kind of sat in sessions with clients that have talked about jinn, mm. that they've talked about evil eye, they've mm. talked about nudger, you mm. know. So all of these concepts we need to bear and we need to hold. And I guess it's about helping our communities hold them, mm. hold these ideas and concepts, but also to give them the opportunity to open up the idea of creating an internal locus of control so actually we have the ability to understand ourselves Mm. and understand the makings of us Mm. and i think that's probably what you know you're Mm. describing here is how mum and dad this idea of praying away Mm. the 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 pain um and you have a very different concept Mm. of that Mm. it was i think kind of after going to these counseling sessions uh, it, it, again it was a it was a massive eye-opener not just for me but for my parents as well right like i introduced this concept of mental health into their lives mm. you know their son was suffering from anxiety and and whatever it was right like they had no idea this kind of stuff existed that wasn't even a thing right to them mental health meant you were mental you were in a crazy house you were in a you know insane asylum or whatever yeah but the good thing that has come out of this is that I've introduced them to the concept of this and they've become more aware of it, right? They, I think it's that whole thing about when you know something exists, like from how many mother, it's the glass shattering moment, right? Like when you know it's there, you'll never stop noticing it. Yeah. Um, and so even in like when mom watches, you know, her news and stuff, 
oh, uh, so-and-so has, uh, you know, depression and so-and-so has anxiety. Like, they went through all this and they went to counselling and blah, blah, blah. I was like, you're recognising it. Yeah. Um, I kind of I kind of use an analogy I, I like to use, it. I guess, is I've just come up with, I guess, is the 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 concept of, like, um, dad listening to podcasts. He He didn't even know this kind of medium existed. And then I said, yeah, dad, like, there's a whole world of knowledge you can just listen to for free and when he we did that the episode mm. or the episodes of being brown he you know he was switched on to it and he listens to podcasts now oh wow it's just it's it's that's all we need i think that's all we need in our society is to have that one person who this person fully believes in to introduce a concept into their lives for them to be on board with it yeah and and sometimes that's as simple as it needs to be yeah like if 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 my parents are fully invested in me and I bring to them a concept that has always always existed, but they don't quite understand it. Yeah. Then that's all it needs to be. You yeah. know? So, yeah. Powerful. Yes. I mean, I was thinking um, along the lines of, of what, what it, what did it mean to your parents when you disclose to them that look, I'm I'm seeking help for mm. these issues, mm. did did you talk about the impact that it had on them? No, no. Interestingly, actually, it's, it's a good question. I think, I think even I think if they were to dis, I don't think they would probably disclose this information to other people mm. because of that stigma. It's still there, mm. and I think it's always going to be there until they feel comfortable enough to know that it's not a, as big as a thing as they made it out to be. Mm. Um, you know, I don't think they would go out to, you know, family and say, oh yeah, go and went counselling. Yeah. You know, like, because it's... Isn't that, isn't that just so bizarre? Because yeah. we can quite easily talk about, oh, Goran broke his arm. Mm. Goran twisted mm. his ankle. It's mm. the same thing. Mm. Mm. But it's it, 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 but there's no the the knee jerk reaction to the to mental health is yeah but what's wrong with him like it, they they fail to see the in between and it will go straight from mental health to he's crazy mm. they won't see the he's going through this 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 and this or he was brought up like this 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 and this and this mm. or his mom said this this and this when he was a kid mm. and so now it's that what he feels now is a result of X Y Z. Mm. Yeah, it's that understanding and the linkage. Yeah. And, and you know, it's what you were talking about is around this concept that we know, especially that exists within South Asian mm. companies, is Izzat. Mm. You know, family mm. honour, mm. family, uh, the family losing respect or family mm. losing their name. You know, there's there's been lots of kind of um, literature that talks about how parents will withhold mm. any mental health illness from, you know, disclosing anything mm. like that because of fear of what other people will think. But that's all guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Genge, you know yeah, yeah. the rest of it. So it, there is this massive barrier mm. to talk about but these things exist that we do have mm. struggles and it's okay to have these struggles and this doesn't make you a bad person. Mm. It just means that you're a human being yeah, yeah. that feels things. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and I think about what the consequences of not talking about mental health leads to. Mm. And in particular, we know that in the Punjabi Sikh community, mm. there is a huge alcohol mm. issue there with the men. Mm. And what I have seen recently since kind of joining the world of Instagram is there's so many causes out there yeah. that are specifically <clears throat> helping, targeting, mm. you know, segments of the Punjabi Sikh community. Mm. Um, and they are going out to the Gurdwaras, they're mm. going out to the places of worship, they're going out and meeting and, and talking about these issues directly. And I think that is wonderful. Mm. But what I'm saddened to also see is that what about Hindus? Mm. What about the Gujarati yep. community? What about the rest of us? Mm. Um, and in, similarly, in in the Islamic communities as mm. well, there clearly has been a shift in mm. the um, discussion around mental health. Yep. You know, it's there. They do. There, there is clearly stuff out there. But I haven't seen no. anything um, which, again, I want to kind of say, hang on, mm. what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> Let's start to do something. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. how many, um, you know, Asian, South Asian celebrities, actors, sporting stars, mm have talked about mental health. Yeah. I can only think of one, and that was Deepika Padukone. Mm. And that was about two years ago <clears throat> when she talked about experiencing depression. We need more. Mm. We really do. We mm. need, and we need the men to talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is it. It's like I said, and I think it, all it needs is, it just needs that one person in each family to be exposed to what this is and what it means for us. Like, not just for individuals but for us as indians mm. and what's going to happen to the future generations if it's not spoken about yeah because it's just going to be a vicious cycle like no one's going to talk about it yeah. for years to come and we don't know like how I, I don't know i'm not sure if you know like how mental health problems evolve over time if they're not addressed like does they it just continue yeah. you know we, we talk about this <clears throat> idea of um it drips through the generations mm. and it will it will continue to um, feed through mm. and I would just you know as you were talking it made me think about the um, I don't know if it's not a documentary it was the um, series around I think it was a film I can't remember mm. exactly um, that was aired a couple of years ago The Boy with the Top mm. Nut and I thought that was groundbreaking mm. because number one I think it was on the BBC yeah, if I'm it correctly and it was about the story of an Asian a Sikh, mm, I think it was Punjabi, wasn't he? Mm. Um, Punjabi lad who lived in, in Wolverhampton and it was around how his father had severe mental health illness mm. and how he he didn't even know yeah. up until he was an adult. You know, and I think they talk, they, they touched on all those really tricky subjects around stigma, shame, honour, yeah. family honour, the rest of it and what that what that means yeah and i think that we need to be seeing this and hearing about this more and more mm. you know mm. and and keep 
keep having that discussion. Yeah. You know, but also on the other end of it, the flip side of it is, okay, right, we can talk about it, we can become aware of it, but what is going to change? Mm. What What is it that South Asian men or Hindu men, mm. Indian men, uh, Sikh men... Muslim men, what do you, what do they need? What is it that what is it that the NHS or charities that sector need to start to do to enable them to talk about this and to get the help they need? Well, I guess that's, this is it, isn't it? And I guess um, I suppose in in the final moments of this podcast, I guess why don't you? So, uh, what what would you say? How, how would you say? these things are addressed like what 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 are the steps that we can take what would you um, i don't know how would you how would you go about as as a you know a, a clinical psych, psychologist how would you kind of look at addressing this issue it's tricky because again there's not enough research for mm. a start so you know like i said to you i, I did a, a quick lit review mm. um and there wasn't much out there um and and in particular around south asian men as a whole but mm. even the pockets of information that there there was it was around alcohol alcoholism and yeah. Sikh men and you know pockets um so we need to do more research we need to keep keep having these discussions we need to get to that ground level of you know which is happening now gratefully yeah. working in places of worship working <coughs> in environments where people congregate mm. you know mm. now i'm thinking not only for the older generation who may congregate in places of worship but also the the second generation the third generation mm. um we need to be talking about um race mm. culture mental health yeah. in schools we yeah. need to be talking about race culture mental health yeah. in the workplace yeah, yeah. we need to be addressing the uh, inequalities that people of color face yep. being a minority you know mm. in this country we also need to be thinking about cultural competence mm. of our workforce mm. in particular the nhs workforce mm. representation yeah, yeah. you know one of the things that i kept reading was that um, a lot of the participants in the research talked about was well how am i going to feel comfortable mm. if the person sat in front of me doesn't even understand my story doesn't yeah. even understand my journey yeah, yeah, you know yeah. um and 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 i think that that's really crucial that you know as that, that's how i feel myself is that as mm. a, a a british indian gujarati psychologist i think you know i need to step up i need yeah. to kind of say look I'm here. Yeah. I, I understand. I've been through this. I've, you know, whatever. Mm. And I represent a, a, a small portion mm. of people who work in these fields, yep. you know, and you have the option mm. to be seen by somebody who who looks like you, mm. who, who may be able to get you, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe able to understand your world. Um and, you know, we were talking before a little bit around your experience of counselling and I kind of asked you the question of oh, therapist, what, what, you know, what was it yeah. like being with your therapist? What was their race, gender, mm. that sort of thing? And which was lovely is you told me that they, they were, yeah. Yeah, they were, they were, yes, yeah, so it was, she was, she was Indian, she was Muslim. Um, but it was so nice having someone to sit across from you who understood why I was kind of going through 
the stuff I was going through. So, you know, uh, give an example, I guess, is having her understand why my anxiety was a thing and where it's come from, kind of how I was brought up in an Indian household. Um, having her understand that. I mean, what kind of things <clears throat> did, do you think she got? So just the, I guess the, we, we talked about in this episode, we're talking about kind of the pressure of being that man, right? And mm. and having dad as that male figure in the house who does all the man things. Mm. You know, he does the garden, you know, he goes, makes the money and dad was always kind of the breadwinner and stuff like that. Like that, mm. that was dad's position. That was dad's role in the house. Mm. And he never, dad's never been kind of an oppressive force in the house. Mm. He's always kind of done what he's, what's what's been right for him right like yeah. that's what he knows um and i guess growing up around that was always kind of like oh, shit, do i need to do that do i need to be that guy in in people's lives like do i need to be that man uh and i guess it was always that 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 conflict of you know i'm you know i'm not the manliest man in the world but like that, that's but i how do i how do i do that how do i balance mm-hmm. of being an emotional guy Versus being a manly man. Like, how do, I don't even know how to do that. What does that even mean? Mm. And having her understand that perspective of what it means being an Indian uh, male growing up in a household like that, it was, was invaluable. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if, if you know, another, another therapist would have understood that. Mm. I'm sure that would have helped me. But would they have fully understood what I was going through? Mm. You know? Um and it's, you know, the whole thing about in-laws and um, the cultural side of all that and kind of what it means to be religious and what all, how all that ties into being, you know, the anxiety and all that kind of stuff. Like there was all of these things that only another person who's been through a very similar thing could understand. Yeah. Um, and we talk, spoke about this very briefly in the previous episode and that how do you how do you communicate that to someone who's never been through something like that it's yeah. like me talking to you about going through a period <laughs> it's like i yeah. no, you know no uterus no opinion and all that you know mm. um so that I, I i couldn't you know is it's like you said we need we need so much more we need so many more of you <laughs> like there's it's it's crazy but so do you think that if you had the option to <coughs> um me. seek out a therapist mm. for you would you look for a brown male? Oh, one hundred. Oh, male. A very interesting question. Mm. Very interesting question. I don't think I would. Purely because of two reasons. I've always found it easy to talk to women. Yeah. Um, I feel less judged when I talk to women. Mm. Um, your therapist brain is going crazy right now. Yeah. I can feel it. <laughs> um but also the experience that i've had with the female counselor that i had yeah um just knowing how much she was able to help me from a perspective of a woman and now knowing what i know about kind of the possible uh like source of my anxiety Mm. it makes sense for me to seek another female Mm. who understands that perspective Mm. from a a therapist point of view yeah okay yeah it's it i think it's about self-awareness and yes. being willing to to really look at yourself hard in the mm, mirror mm. and be strong enough to face whatever that mm. could mean. Mm. 
because it does it does take a lot of strength to come mm. to therapy it's not for the week it's no. definitely not designed for the week no but yeah i i think that we need to really really start to think about what is it that you know brown men mm. south asian men how is it that they will feel okay to talk mm. is it that you know going to the pub mm. having a, a, a pint mm. whatever it is that they need to do that is their way of talking discussing yeah. mm. or is it that they need something deeper mm. is it that they play football mm. five aside whatever mm. you know because i know that that's a, a huge movement in in men's men's mental health is to speak the language of men mm. because you know i i often do wonder is that sitting you know two chairs face to face is that not how men talk yeah i don't know yeah and is that how brown men definitely don't talk mm. well it's interesting you say that and i know kind of we're going a bit over a limit but um i i do that a lot I, I, often it'll just be me and me and another guy and we'll just talk for for ages and more recently, we've started to bond, bet you know, kind of more effectively that way. Yeah. Like we just talking one on one, because there's less pressure to be a lad, and you know, oh, you, you see your ass, like you know, check that girl out. Oh yeah, mm. I would. Do you know what I mean? Stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. There's less pressure of doing bravado. That. Yeah, yeah. It's just about being a human and talking to each other from that on that on that level. Yeah. Like, what is it that motivates you to do what you do? Like, what? Why are you thinking the way you're thinking? How are you feeling right now? Mm. Obviously, we're not using that terminology, but that's the conversations that we're having. Yeah. Um, but sometimes all it takes is we're having a one-on-one conversation, you know? Mm. Yeah. Well, um, thank you, Dr. Tina Mystery. Thank you for joining us once again on Being Brown. Um, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the episode, having you on the podcast again. <laughs> um, I do hope you come back. <laughs> uh, I know we will have you on the future, um, and I guess uh, I guess uh, I'm, I'm sure people already know this. But why do you tell them where they can find you? So I am on the Instagrams um, at the Brown Psychologist. You know, I like to make a joke of it. Um, I'm on Facebook at the Brown Psychologist, and I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on those those uh, feeds. Yeah, they're the way you're most active. Yeah, right. I would say. All right, and I've been Gurun. Thank you for listening to that podcast. Thank you for listening to episode six of Being Brown. I've been Gurun, and I'm Doctor Mystery. There we go. <laughs>If you enjoyed that, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Podbean. We're on all your favorite podcast apps. Go and find us. And please, if you enjoyed that, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you.